but after that I was like I want to keep fostering and want to keep saving these dogs lives if not for me like for Corey like I want to do this for her because she just had such a special place in my heart and she always will. Hi, welcome back to Telltale Dog, the podcast. I'm your host, certified dog trainer, Elizabeth Silverstein. And I have with me this time, Megan Carney, who has four dogs currently and has been a client with Telltale Dog Training for about two years. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm great, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks so much for doing this with me. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. Yeah. And I was just, I was thinking about how long we've known each other. And I think it's just, it's been about two years now. So you had just branched off and started your business and I came to you with Moose, this crazy pup. Like, I don't know what to do with him. (laughs) And I remember too, it was just, I remember being so confused and just not, not knowing either for a little bit, but we worked through it. I think we found some good ways to manage him. And then when you got his DNA results back, it was a light bulb moment for me. I was like, oh, everything makes sense now. I came together it was like yes this this is why the way he is yes because he just looks like a black lab he just he looks like completely like a black lab but his behavior is not yeah share share what you found out about him when you sent his DNA in right so I was under the impression he was a black lab I had a feeling he had something else in him just when he barked it was like a howl like I'd never heard anything <laughs> and just like his really excited behavior his reactive behavior um so I'm really glad I did the DNA test and got those results because I think that really helped us like narrow down what exactly he needed for his training but yeah the results came back he was 50% lab and 50% red bone coonhound <laughs> which I know about that breed so that's that was kind of eye-opening. And I've worked with hounds before, but he's the first red bone I've worked with. So I was able to reach out to a trainer friend of mine who has a really challenging hound of her own. And so she actually broke down everything and like, just was like breaking down the different types of hounds, what they need. And when I clarified, Hey, this is a red bone. She's like, Oh, forgot about those. She had sent me like five different things, but forgot red bone. And so she sent me some information on red bone hounds. And it just was like, this is it. And she, she's the one that first called him a hound in a lab coat, which I think is the best way to describe him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's really what he is. He just, he looks like a lab, but all his behavior is just hound to the core. Well, so you, I mean, you have your hands full with moose alone, but right now you have is it four total dogs or so I have three of my own and then I have a foster as well so yes very very full and so it so share each one's name if you know their breed and how old they are so I got my first dog Stella in college which looking back is not the greatest idea I mean college student has no reason to be having a puppy but I got her she is now about seven and a half and she is a little bit a mixture of everything she has a lot of lab in her she has some golden in her some boxer I think and so she's kind of my old girl now she's very picky about other dogs coming into the house so that's been something that I've had to navigate with fostering. Um, And then next we have Moose, who was one of my foster failures. We think he's around two and a half. Like I said, he's half lab, half red bone coonhound. 
He's very reactive, very energetic and crazy, but I love him so much. <laughs> My next foster failure um, is Izzy. She's also a little bit of everything, boxer, pit, lab, and we think she's around two to three. She's kind of the complete opposite of Moose and Stella. She loves every dog she sees, super playful, super sweet, loves to cuddle all the time. And then I'm currently fostering Emma. She was found wandering the streets of Conway. So these nice civilians picked her up. She looked like she had been hit by a car, which we found out she was. And she had these seizures and tremors. We didn't really know what was going on. And we think she's somewhere between one and two, but she's just become a completely different dog since being here. She healed a lot. She just got spayed, which is awesome. Yeah, and she's really thriving now and she gets along great with everyone. So she she's just like a little perfect little bean. When I let her out of her crate, when I come for training walks with Moose, she'll go right into the little corner and wait. And the last time I was there, she was in the corner and waiting and I was, and I was waiting for her to come outside and she wouldn't because the crate door was open. And she's like, I cannot get past this. It's too much. <laughs> and if she had plenty of room. She's just like, I, I cannot do this. And I just could not believe it when I was working all, with all of them on place and I released them all and left the room. She stayed there for 30 seconds. Like, I will stay here. I am not moving. This is where I need to be. I'm going to, she's like the only one I think out of the crew that's like, I know what I have to do and I'm going to do it. And then it was just been so funny watching Izzy with Stella where like Izzy just loves Stella so much. And Stella says, no. <laughs> oh yeah. Izzy is obsessed with Stella. Like that is her favorite dog. I just wants nothing to do with her. <laughs> yeah, like, Get away. <laughs> she's just, is just grumbly about it. I haven't seen Stella like do anything else. Well, it sounds like Stella came home first and then Moose and then Izzy. And now you have Emma. How did you first get into fostering? Yeah. So I didn't really know too much about fostering. It wasn't until I moved into my own place, my own house. November 2019, kind of right before the pandemic, I was just scrolling Facebook and I saw my friend had shared this post from this uh, foster organization. I'm like, we need immediate fosters for these dogs now. Are they going to be put down? And I just remember seeing this one puppy, Corey, like, yes, like, this is it. Like, I need her. <laughs> and so I messaged the foster organization, filled out my application. They did the home visit and all that. And next thing I know, like, we had Corey. And it was tough introducing her to Stella at first. Stella had never like had experience with another dog like entering her house before. And I was kind of worried how she would react. She has her preferences of dogs she likes and she makes it very clear if she likes them or not. And so I was kind of worried at bringing Corey into our house, but I mean, they just bonded instantly. And it was so cool to see like Stella just like come over and like protect this little puppy and like she just knew that she needed this love and it was really awesome to see and so we had a really good first foster experience. I did end up foster failing Corey. She unfortunately passed about a couple months ago after I adopted her but after that I was like I want to keep fostering and want to keep saving these dogs lives if not for me like for Corey like I want to do this for her because she just had such a special place in my heart and she always will and so that's kind of why I really got into fostering and I'll share more of Emma too kind of on my Instagram and we can tag and I can let people know that she's available for adoption but if people do want to check out Emma or apply for her how should they do that yeah, you can always reach out to us. Um, I am part of the AHA foster organization. So it's Arkansan Assisting Homeless Animals. You can always reach out to us there. And then we always, Emma's not posted yet just because she's recovering from her space surgery. But when she is posted soon, she will be 
hosted through the Little Pink Shelter. It's a little shelter out of Connecticut where we usually put all the dogs out of there. Definitely reach out to AHA. So it isn't that she's definitely going north, but that she would go north if there's no local interest? Uh, we just find that there's actually a dog shortage up there in Connecticut and like the Northeast coast, which is crazy to think about when you're in the South because you just see all these dogs, homeless dogs running all over the streets all the time. And so we find that it's best to try to get them up there just because there's a dog shortage and they just have better rules about spaying and neutering your pets. And so we seem, see them thrive a lot better up there. Yes. You even have a little homeless dog right down the street from you that, that I met for the first time that nobody can capture. <laughs> I'd say we call her a little pup. Yeah, we've tried, but she just wants nothing to do with us. <laughs> <laughs> she's so cute. And I know she would probably be awesome, an awesome companion, but she's so suspicious of people. And so, yeah, it's just it, here, if you want a dog, you just wait and a dog's going to come trotting down the street. Well, how did you manage integration with bringing additional dogs into your home? Because I know you, you had some worries about Stella with, with Corey for the first one. How did you manage adding in more and additional ones? Yeah, so I got lucky with that experience. Not all of my experiences have been successful as the first one with Stella and Corey. And because of those kind of bad experiences I had, I definitely dove into some research to see, you know, what does it mean to like integrate dogs? Like, and surprisingly, like dogs are a lot like humans. Like they don't want just like some random dog, like coming into their space, into their home. They're like, you know, it's confusing and kind of frustrating for them. So Stella and Moose are the ones that I really focus on. So I've kind of got it down to like when I'm expecting a new foster, whether it just be like for the weekend or like a long-term foster, I kind of have like set ways where I introduce them because I think that the first impression, just like with humans, is like super important for dogs as well, you know, making that relationship foundation. And so I really like to start off with meeting outside in like a neutral space, preferably on leashes. That way, if something bad happens, you can tear them apart. But I like to have the loose leashes just because you don't want them to feel constricted and they can feel like your stress as well. And so that's a good way to start introducing them to each other. Allow all the sniffs, but definitely keeping an eye on body language. Super important to know your dog and like your dog's body language. Like I can know if Moose is not feeling another dog or if Stella's not feeling another dog or if they're going to be great together. Sometimes it just takes a couple of introductions to get to that point, but um, definitely just reading their body language and being on top of that is super important when introducing dogs to each other. Yeah, and I'm glad you bring up knowing your individual dog because each dog is different and, and each dog's stress cues or excitement cues or really into it cues are so different. Even though there's some, you know, similarities between dogs, it can, it's super individual. Right, that's right. Like even if the dog's like the same breed as another one, like completely different individual dogs, they react completely differently. They have different preferences of playmates. And so super important to know everything about your dog and their body language. Yes. And that takes time. That was something I was thinking about recently because I want to do this series because I just brought home a third dog. And I realized I'm not going to really know this dog very well for another year to two years. And I have to put that time into really getting to know her. And that's where I can be more comfortable with her and like know how she's going to respond in different situations. You don't know a dog a day or a week or a month after meeting them. It takes time. It does. It does take time. Well, Megan, do you have a typical schedule for the day? 
I mean, the dogs are pretty good at waking me up at 6 a.m. on the dot. No worries there. (laughs) (laughs) And I like to get in a walk with them. It's obviously not ideal to be walking four dogs by yourself. So I tend to spread them out throughout the day. So I'll take two and then two later on. And I think that's also super important when you have multiple dogs is that individual time with them, even if you just take one dog on a walk just so that they can have that bonding experience with you and know that like you're still there for them, even though there's multiple dogs in the house that you're also giving attention to. So I definitely make a point to take them on a walk if the weather's cooperating. Yeah, that's, we don't really have a (laughs) typical schedule other than that. No, that's great. Yeah, it's, I, and it, it, everyone's different. That's why I'm I'm having a few people on to talk about multiple dogs and everyone's going to have different answers. And I think part of how I manage education and and training too, is that you have to figure out what's best for you and whatever works for you is good for you. It doesn't mean that someone else has to do the same thing either. Megan, what are some things you were glad you did in terms of bringing home or managing your own three plus the foster? Yeah, well, obviously I'm really glad I fostered. I've gotten to meet some really, really cool dogs, dogs that will always have an impact on me dogs that have changed the way that I interact with my own dogs so that's been really cool it's been cool to see Stella thrive with other dogs I mean she was an only dog for so long um and so to see her like really coming out of her shell with some siblings now it's been really cool and yeah just getting to meet all these different personalities and different dogs and seeing how they interact with each other has been super interesting and is there anything that you wish you'd done differently I think like in the beginning, I had probably too high of expectations of how dogs like get along with each other. I just kind of was like, oh, like they're, they're all dogs. Like they're all going to eventually get along. It's going to be fine. But it really is true that like, just like humans, dogs have preferences for other dogs. There might be a dog that just, they don't see eye to eye. They don't get along and that's okay. Like I don't get along with everyone I meet, you know what I mean? And so I think I definitely have a better understanding of that now, kind of lowering my expectations for my dog's getting along with every single dog. And that doesn't make them bad dogs or mean dogs. It's just their personality and who they are. Yes, I think it's so important for us to kind of remove that. I don't know if it's oh, it's like maybe embarrassment or sometimes shame or guilt or whatever, because we have these strong feelings around our dogs. And sometimes if they don't like another dog, it can feel like it reflects poorly on us. Whereas it really has nothing to do with us most of the time. It's just, yeah, like if I don't like my friend's friend that has nothing to do with my friend right it's just I don't like their friend (laughs) yeah different likes and dislikes Megan I think that was all the questions that I had for you and I know you had some other things that you wanted to share what were some things you wanted to touch on yeah I definitely just want to throw out my foster organization out there they're awesome we're definitely looking for more fosters the pandemic has been really tough on us we have hundreds of dogs in our foster and now we're down to 12 which has been heartbreaking so we're definitely looking for fosters or just any volunteer work fostering. It could just, I mean, I've also done where I transport or I, you know, take a dog from here or go pick one up here. Just little things like that really helps. So Arkansans Assisting Homeless Animals is who I'm with. They're amazing. But there's definitely lots of foster organizations in Little Rock to get involved in or anywhere. And I will tag them for sure. And I do want to do a foster series at some point to kind of delve into that. Because what I've been hearing recently is like some local rescues will say like, well, it's just like pet sitting. And I don't think that's accurate to say 
at all. I would say that it does take some trial and error and figuring things out just as you 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 went through and realizing it takes time. It can take time for integration and figuring out a new dog. And there's lots of things that we can do to make that process easier and help people get prepared for it and what to expect. So I'd love to have you back on to talk about that a little bit more in depth, but what would you, and we can touch on that briefly now too, what are some recommendations that you have for folks that are looking to maybe foster a dog? Definitely patience is a key. Patience, not only with the integration process, if you have dogs already at your house, but just knowing that a lot of these dogs, I mean, they're homeless, they've never had training, they don't know what it's like to live in like a loving home. And so it definitely takes a lot of patience. There's going to be accidents, they're going to eat something of yours, like it's, it's just going to happen. But looking at the big picture of you like saving these animals lives, like they would literally not be here if it weren't for you is super important. And also being patient through that integration process. Like I said, not every dog is going to get along with every dog. I mean, you might have to keep them separated for a while. So that's a possibility. But just being patient and understanding through that process is super important to getting that result that you want. Yes. And I would add in there too, because with my third dog recently, like I've been so frustrated and overwhelmed. And I think it's important to remember that even the pros have challenges just because we know stuff doesn't mean we know all the things or that we are going to figure things out, you know, any easier than the average person. We just have more resources and we can help with that. And to be kind to yourself when you're frustrated or you're overwhelmed or you're not sure. I know so many dogs get returned like the first day or two, which is like the most crucial time of that decompression of allowing them to settle in and, and get used to you and, kind of just calm down from everything that they've been through. We don't always know what dogs have been through and there's their behaviors really impacted by their environment. Very true. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Well, I will tag everything that you mentioned as well. I think that's all really, really great. And I'm going to do the outro and then um, I'll have that final question for you. This has been Telltale Dog, the podcast with your host, Elizabeth Silverstein, certified dog trainer in Central Arkansas, and my guest today, Megan Carney. Music has been provided by Jim Chiago of Seven Second Chance. Find more of his work on iTunes and Spotify and stick around for After the Music for some final advice from Megan. Megan, before we sign off completely, what do you recommend for anyone considering adding more dogs to their family? So maybe that's what to consider first or their setup or, you know, whatever comes to mind. Sure. All important things. I think the number one consider when considering adding more dogs to your household is to really take the time to learn about your current dog or dogs in your house. Know their play style, know their playmate, playmate is, know their energy levels. All of those are super important when considering adding other dogs to your home. It can help a lot if you know it, like this dog is not going to be a great fit. It just saves a lot of heartache and headache right there. And then knowing your dog and then being meant with the other dog that's coming in, it's a scary thing for all of them. So keeping that in mind will really help you when adding other dogs to your house.